Hey guys, <clears throat> welcome back to another Amen Rob podcast. And you know that I told you guys that I was going to be taking more time to discuss what's been going on with the COVID-19 situation. So the first story of today is um, public information. We covered this before, um, <clears throat> but this is talking about how at least a dozen vaccinated doctors died of COVID-19 in June. And they are definitely covering this up or you know, trying to blame this on the Chinese and say, well, the Chinese vaccines aren't effective. <clears throat> but as we've discussed many times, that the spike protein in COVID is cytotoxic and it doesn't ma really matter which vaccine you got, any vaccine, whether it's a viral vector, a DNA altering vaccine, an mRNA vaccine, any vaccine that you have that causes the body or the cells to constantly produce billions of these spike proteins puts you at risk for antibody dependent enhancement, right? So if you don't know, we talked about antibody dependent enhancement on a past show. I might do another show for that. Um, <clears throat> but antibody dependent enhancement is when somebody, you know, already has antibodies to a pathogen. Um, and they get exposed to a, another variant of that virus. And then those antibodies create autoantibodies. And then it, it basically causes the immune system to attack itself in what we call a cytokine storm. So in order to prevent that, um, it's important not to get vaccinated, especially if you've already had COVID-19, because high antibody levels increase your chance of antibody-dependent enhancement. So. Um, I will try to look for more information about that story, but um, I just wanted to give an update on that and just let you know that, yes, people are already dying from antibody-dependent enhancement. So that's one thing that I wanted to cover. Um, I'm just going to cover all the latest news. I'm, I'm just going to deal with whatever sticks out the most. So let's see what we have here. All right, so right here, we have an article from Barons.com, and it says, the COVID-19 booster market just keeps getting bigger, Moderna's CEO says. <laughs> so um, it's actually ridiculous how every time um, we go through this, um, you know, they said originally you would only need one shot. Then they said, you're just going to need two, and now they're confirming that you're going to need a yearly booster shot to deal with variants. This is insanity. This is ridiculous. And this is just, once again, a money grab. So here's an article that I'm also finding very interesting is that this website called Contagion Live is trying to say the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine is safe for people with HIV on antiretroviral therapy. <clears throat> it says, um, 
They gave them two doses of the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, and they compared all outcomes to a control group with the same ages and dosing strategies as the HIV group. All 54 of the study participants with HIV were male, with most self-reporting as white. The median age was 42.5 years. All right. The study authors reported no serious events, avert events among the participants, though local and systemic reactions occurred during the first seven days after the first dose, including pain at the injection site, fatigue, headache, malaise, chills, muscle leg, joint pain, and nausea. Antibodies against the spike protein peaked at day 42, according to the study authors, and were sustained until day 56, which was two weeks after the second dose. The study authors added they observed no correlation between the magnitude of the anti-spike antibody response at day 56 and the CD4 cell count or age. At days 14 and 28, the study authors found no difference in response among the HIV negative cohort and said that the responses of HIV positive patients were significantly higher by days 42 and 56. So again, um, they, you, one thing that I've learned is that you don't want to vaccinate people that already have immune issues. And that's just another ploy for people to be coerced into getting this vaccine when they already have immune issues or autoimmune issues. So, you know, the propaganda is definitely real. Um, you know, they're not, they're definitely not going to tell you the truth about that vaccine and how it already has, it already has been acknowledged and definitely spoken that people that have autoimmune issues or other issues don't need to be vaccinated um, as a priority. So um, here's an article about Iowa, which says the rate of completed COVID-19 vaccinations continues to slow in Iowa. So let's talk about this. So the number of people finishing their Vaccination course for the novel coronavirus was down by over one third this week compared to the previous week, <laughs> according to the latest state data. As, as of 10.30 a.m., sorry, as of 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, the Iowa Department of Public Health said 54 people who tested positive for COVID-19 were added to the state's total since the same time on Saturday. 373,573 individuals in Iowa have tested positive for the virus since the pandemic began. The rate of new cases added per day, taking on a seven-day rolling average, is 67.6, .6, which is lower than the 75.6 cases per day as of last Saturday. 2 million. 937,614 doses of a COVID-19 vaccine have been administered in Iowa so far. 1.4 million or around 46% of the population have completed their vaccination course. 20,000 people completed their vaccination this week, which is down around 36% from the previous week's 31,994. So again, the vaccination rates are slowing. Um, it's again, it continues to decline, even though they are doing lotteries, giveaways, free tuition, free donuts, free bagels, you name it, you can get it. 
Um, so even with all that being done, um, they still haven't even vaccinated more than 50% of the population of Iowa and the rate um, are going down. So that's just something to pay attention to. Um, they're gonna continue to get more desperate and they're gonna continue to do more things uh, to try to continue to push this vaccine, but it's not working. All right, so let me find another article. Give me one second. All right, so yeah, let's find some other articles. I'm just going through the news because um, this is what I do every day. Um, so it looks like South Africa um, is tightening COVID restrictions for 14 days. So very interesting, you know, like they, it's a lot going on in Africa, but it's to be expected with this pandemic. Um, you know, they definitely wanted to, you know, definitely hurt the people of Africa um in the easiest way they can but um but you know we just have to stay vigilant and we just have to keep doing podcasts like this right to continue to put the information out there so let's see mm. mass COVID-19 vaccination site at Reggie Lewis Center in Roxbury closes <laughs> this is what I love to see, as they say, I love to see it. <laughs> so this is what I like to see. So let's check out this news clip and then I'm gonna come back with the rest of my commentary. Tonight, I'll be eating a pork by me with extra jalapenos. Thanks, baby. <laughs> yeah, we about to get spicy for this virtual day. Spicy like them pajama pants. But the top half of me looks good. No wonder we still sing. Hello, Lenny 28. Wait a minute, I know a Lenny 28. Ooh, Lenny is cute. Can I get some privacy, please? Well, today was the last day for the mass vaccination site at the Reggie Lewis Center in Roxbury. The final COVID-19 vaccine doses were given out there this afternoon. And this was the state's fourth mass vaccination site to close. The focus is now shifting to smaller community-based vaccination efforts. Also closing this week, the mass vaccination site at the Doubletree Hotel in Danvers. The final day for shots there is on Wednesday. After that, two sites will remain open. The Eastfield Mall in Springfield will give out shots through July 6th. And the former Circuit City in Dartmouth will be vaccinating people through July 13th. Wow. 
Wow. So you guys just saw that. So they have officially already closed two of their vaccination sites already. Carson Beach and, and now that the other two are only gonna the other two are only gonna remain open until July thirteenth and July sixth, which is literally like two weeks from now. So very interesting. Um hilarious. And like I said, I'm always happy to to hear about that and I'm always happy to, you know, to to see that these mass vaccination sites are closing all over the country despite the fact that they are literally bribing the public with vaccine lotteries, uh free weed, um, free donuts, free bagels, everything. So <laughs> um very interesting to see what's going what's going on. So let's see what else what else we got here. All right, so those are pretty much all the latest stories that I can see under that. Again, I'm using Google, so maybe I shouldn't even be using Google because you know Google likes to hide um, certain results. But um, here we go. Nashville plans to phase out COVID-19 vaccination and testing sites as demand lags, all right? And here's an article by the Washington Post. It says anatomy of a health conundrum, the racial gap in vaccinations, really. All right, so let's read this. It says Chidima Nawakanma walked out the doors of the emergency room into the stillness of a Saturday morning. Her overnight shift had been a swirl of activity, but rest would have to wait as there was one more task at hand for the physician. A community vaccination clinic set to start in about 60 minutes. In the hours before at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center, she'd encountered the trauma and travails that are the currency of the ER. A patient had abruptly stopped talking and slumped over, cancer blocking her nasal passages. A patient had abruptly stopped talking and slumped over, cancer blocking her nasal passages. There was a man struggling to breathe, a problem that had persisted for nearly two months. A 25-year-old with fever and chills, an 81-year-old who passed out in front of her family. And because it has become a part of Nawankma's routine when gathering information about a patient's presenting illness, the same questions about abdominal and chest pain she asked them 
have you received the coronavirus vaccine? The 81-year-old who was hypertensive and previously suffered a stroke happily reported she had been inoculated. But her grandson in his 30s and in the room with her laughed at the thought, explaining that he didn't want to suffer the aches and pains common after injection like his grandmother did. Nwakma told him that when his grandmother got the shot, her fever and chills disappeared a day later. So I should get it, he asked. The United States is awash in coronavirus vaccines with free beer, plane tickets, and million-dollar prizes dangled as inducements to persuade the reluctant to get a shot. Philadelphia is doling out 400000 in giveaways, despite that a racial divide persists in the nation's vaccination campaign, with federal figures showing counties with higher percentages of Black residents having some of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. An examination of city and federal vaccination data and interviews with more than 20 researchers, doctors, health officials, and residents in the nation's sixth largest city opens a window onto the missteps and misunderstandings, the legacy and loss that have fostered the disproportionate pain of death and disease in communities of color. Coronavirus immunizations are the latest iteration of the pandemic's unequal burden. The city of Philadelphia is the nation's largest predominantly black county and has one of the higher vaccination rates among counties with a preponderance of black residents. But that doesn't mean black people are getting vaccination vaccinated at a high rate. The city's data shows that while 52% of white people have received at least one dose of a vaccine, just 34% of black people have. Nationally, 54% of the population have received at least one dose. I get mad when I see the numbers, said Ayla Stanford, a surgeon and founder of the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium, whose organization, according to the group's figures, had administered nearly 50,000 vaccinations as of June 11th, about 75% of which went to African-Americans. It's like the city just decided, we are everybody black and Philly's answer. It just can't be me. What are the rest of y'all doing? To help gain a deeper understanding of vaccination efforts in Philadelphia, Milwaukee, at the request of the Washington Post, recorded an audio journal documenting her experiences in the emergency room in the days leading up to the final mass community vaccination clinic run by the world-renowned Academic Medical Center in late May. The accounts sketch a portrait of how environmental, economic, and political factors entwine, putting Black people at a higher risk of chronic conditions that leave immune systems vulnerable while feeling the misinformation, mistrust, and fear that leave them unprotected. Emergency rooms treat everything from stubborn splinters to gunshot wounds, regardless of whether the person is insured. And Nwankama said two to three new patients need her attention every hour. That's in addition to those already under her care and not including trauma patients who burst the doors and phone calls from EMTs out in the field. So the time it takes Nwankama to have COVID conversations with ER patients, most of whom are Black or Latino, runs counter to the treatment and treatment culture of emergency medicines and medicine more broadly. 
City health officials said they considered the barriers and field disparities to vaccination, transportation difficulties, scheduling conflicts, school demographics of those in early eligibility categories, and the location of clinics when they were opening about 275 sites. Yet they said it was Stanford's clinic that has been a leading driver in humanizing Black Philadelphians. Penn Medicine collaborated with Mercy Catholic Medical Center and Black Pastors and successfully hosted a limited number of clinics focused on the city's Black residents. What often happens is we get close to the finish line and we kind of stop. The queues for vac getting vaccinated diminish, so they stop having some of the evening hours. They stop having weekend hours. Those are the services that get pulled back first. In any public health program, the early adopters are always easier to reach than the dollars. He said, adding, now is the time to double down on efforts to reach the most vulnerable. The group we're trying to vaccinate now is much tougher to get to, even when they're interested in getting vaccinated. Telling her patients to talk to their primary care physician about being vaccinated can pose a barrier to access because many don't have a doctor they see regularly. That means people don't have access to one of the most trusted sources of information about how the vaccines were created and approved so quickly or their safety and potential side effects. And that creates a barrier to knowledge about appointments and shop providers. The researchers have found that people living in mostly black neighborhoods in Philadelphia were 28 times as likely to lack access to a primary care physician as people in overwhelmingly non-black neighborhoods. Okay. From the earliest days of the pandemic, the divide in access to services was evident with coronavirus testing serving as a prologue for the experience with vaccination. You can have health insurance and not have access. Knowing that is how and why we were started. People were calling saying, hey, Allah, I think I have COVID, but I can't get the test anywhere. The healthcare system has been largely untrustworthy to African-Americans, which is different than saying African-Americans don't trust the healthcare system. Right, so that's just a quick article. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, wow. Okay, this article is interesting. <laughs> I did not expect to see this. So it says here um, why most people who now die with COVID in England have been vaccinated. Make it make sex people. So they're going to try to spin this into a good thing. Now, remember, in the in the United States, I know that they just came out with an article or something that said, well, 99.9999% of people who died with COVID were not vaccinated. But now we have an article from, I guess, I'm not sure this is the UK, but it's actually saying, why most people who have died with COVID in England have been vaccinated. So which one is it, people? Which one is it? They can't keep their lives straight. And that's why I'm so happy I have this podcast because I would never be able to talk about this on YouTube. But um, what a very interesting article title. So that's actually going to be the title of this podcast. This is going to be our feature story for this podcast. So let's read this article. 
It says, a male online headline on June 13th read, study shows 29% of the 42 people who have died after catching the new strain had both vaccinations. In Public Health England's technical briefing on June 25th, that figure had risen to 43%. 50 of 117, with the majority having received at least one dose. It could sound worrying that the majority of people dying in England with the non-dominant Delta Indian variant have been vaccinated. Does this mean the vaccines are ineffective? Far from it. It's what we would expect from an effective yet imperfect vaccine, a risk profile that varies hugely by age and the way the vaccines have rolled out. Consider the hypothetical world where absolutely everyone had received a less than perfect vaccine, although the death rate would be low. Everyone who died would have been vaccinated. The vaccines are not perfect. PHE estimates two dose effectiveness against hospital admission with the dose infections at around 94%. We can perhaps assume there's at least 95% protection against COVID-19 death, which means the lethal risk is reduced to less than a 20th of its usual value. The risk of dying from COVID-19 is extraordinarily dependent on age. It has for each six to seven year age gap. This means someone age 80 who is fully vaccinated essentially takes on the risk of an unvaccinated person of around 50, much lower, but still not nothing. And so we can expect some deaths. The PhD report also reveals that nearly a third of deaths from the Delta variant are unvaccinated people over 50, which may be surprising given high vaccine coverage. Coverage and effectiveness are important numbers for assessing vaccination programs. It is better to look at pool analysis by analysts rather than hot takes on social and other media. There you go. Always trying to, you know, tell people to only listen to the mainstream approved people, but they can't get around this data so if you want more information about this data, this briefing actually just came out June 25th. So hold on. Like this it. Yeah. So this is the technical briefing that we're referring to. Um, the one that was published on June 25th. I'm assuming that this this one right here. Okay, that's loading. So while that's loading, let's um, see if we have any any other stories we need to cover in this podcast.
All right. So that's all I'm going to cover in this podcast. I'm going to keep it short tonight. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please make sure you share this with somebody and um, definitely point out um, the hypocrisy and all of these people dying that have been vaccinated, okay? So with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. And I appreciate uh, you guys for uh, tuning into this podcast and make sure that you check out the next video. Peace.